Hey, I'm Dr. Michael Hunter, forensic pathologist from Autopsy, Reels Channel's medical mystery series on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to download the Podcast One app and subscribe. Then go to reels.com, that's R-E-E-L-Z.com, to find more programs like this one on Reels Channel. John Candy died today. Candy was the star of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Uncle Buck, and appeared in almost 40 other films. John Candy was a movie icon. John almost was like that rock star comedian. He was pretty much at the top of that food chain. His friendliness was legendary. Hope you enjoy it. All right, great. He was somebody that people gravitated towards. Of course. On camera, he tapped into a part of the kind of person most of us want to be. Great friend, warm and lovable. He was known as much for his size as for his comedy genius. <laughs> he had big appetites for everything. Food and drink and people. But there was a darker side behind the smiles. John had some demons. The insecurity kind of drove him in many ways. Don't you think everyone loves a fat man? Uh... I guess. John Candy's death certificate states that he died of a heart attack. But there are many reasons for someone to have a fatal heart attack. John was overweight and obesity can put significant pressure on the heart and is a key factor in heart disease. It can also reduce life expectancy significantly, in some cases by nearly 20 years. But John Candy was only 43 when he died so his sudden death is unlikely to be related to his weight alone. Adding to the mystery, just one month before he died, John had been given a clean bill of health by his doctors. I'm going to dig deep to find out what it was that led to John's tragic death. World-renowned medical examiner and forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter has performed around 5,000 autopsies, collaborating closely with law enforcement and other forensic specialists. His pivotal role in investigating suspicious cases has revealed the truth behind mysterious deaths for over 20 years. John Candy was an extremely famous, wealthy, and well-loved individual with access to the best medical facilities. And yet, he died suddenly at the age of 43. I will use the death certificate and first-person accounts to investigate the events that led to his untimely death. August 30th, 1993. John Candy's Ranch, Newmarket, Ontario. Six months before his death. John is riding high after rapping on his latest movie, Cool Runnings. Martin Burke, friend and director. John had such success. In Hollywood, success translates into a lot of money. This afternoon, his family have gathered to celebrate his wife Rose's 44th birthday. With his daughter Jen and son Chris, John is doing the thing he loves most of all, playing football. Jonathan O'Mara. John Candy's best friend. Family was number one for John. Football was number two. Football was a big part of John's life. But John's game of family football is exacerbating some recent pain in his legs. From reports six months before his death, 
John Candy weighed around 290 pounds. He was six foot three inches tall, so that gave him a body mass index of over 36, which is severely obese. Carrying this amount of weight can put a lot of strain on the joints, particularly the knees and hips. But being severely obese carries far more deadly consequences than just joint pain. I need to investigate further to see exactly how his weight impacted his life and his death. John was born on October 31st, 1950 in Newmarket, Ontario, the second son to Mother Evangeline and Father Sidney, a car salesman. But tragedy struck at an early age. John's father died when he was only four years old. Dr. Joe Guse, clinical psychologist and former comedian. John's dad was this larger-than-life character. He'd been in World War II, he sold cars, very affable man, and he died at the age of 35. In fact, they buried John's father on his fifth birthday. So just a little boy here and having to sort of sort out those different kinds of feelings was, was pretty traumatic for him. John rarely spoke about his father's death until the age of 15, when he met his best friend, Jonathan O'Mara. We became confidants. He would tell me how much it, uh, it affected him and how much he missed having his father around. It left a big hole in John's life, I think, when his father died. Despite this tragedy, John focused everything on the career he dreamed of, becoming a football player. John was just crazy about football. He was on the football team, and uh, he just reveled in that. But at the age of 18, he sustained a knee injury that would prevent him from playing professionally. John's knee injury was a significant fork in the road. He really didn't know what he was going to do with himself or what he could be capable of. He didn't really know. After leaving school, John enrolled at a community college in Toronto. The one thing I really enjoyed doing was being part of the drama department. I tried a number of different things, but I kept going back to, uh, to uh, performing. John was pretty brilliant at impersonating different people. If you mention any kind of a movie star, he would give you his impression of what they sounded like. Sometimes it was spot on, sometimes not so much, but still kept everybody laughing, you know? While working as a napkin salesman, John started doing lowly paid theater gigs around Toronto. It was through these that he was introduced to celebrated Chicago improv group Second City, whose alumni include icons like John Belushi and Bill Murray. John found his tribe with Second City. This Chicago thing was about creation. It was about the moment. It was about bouncing ideas off your friends and coming up with something a little funnier. Sam the Record Man is now Sam the Massage Man. Sam the Massage Man? What, what, what about Sai Wu? Sai Wu? Rub you. What, you? what about Le Chateau? Le Chateau is now Le Robo. <laughs> what about Le Coq d'Or? It was while performing in Second City Theater that John met writer and director Martin Burke. Improv is a real acid test for how smart and how talented any actor is. John could take nothing and turn it into something just by his wit and by his quick responses. Boy, your antlers are really big, you know that? I remember just going up and saying, hey, I have a movie for you. And he sort of laughed and I laughed and he said, okay. That was how I cast John Candy. And by the way, he was perfect for the role. Well, some people never change. He took his first leading role in Burke's low-budget horror movie, The Clown Murders, 
Soon after, John won two Emmy Awards for his role in SCTV, an offshoot of Second City Theater, working alongside other celebrated performers, such as Rick Moranis, Martin Short, and Catherine O'Hara. And then John hit the big time with roles in classics such as The Blues Brothers and Splash, before landing his iconic role as salesman Del Griffin in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I always thought that Planes, Trains, and Automobiles was John's best film. Not only was he playing a character which he invented, he was also playing a variation of himself. I like me. My wife likes me. On the outside, outgoing and funny and cracking jokes, but on the inside was very complicated, very serious, and somewhat troubled. Because I'm the real article. What you see is what you get. It appears that John Candy was overweight for most of his career. As a result, he would have been prone to high cholesterol and high blood pressure, which can increase the risk of cardiovascular diseases, such as coronary heart disease and stroke. But the habits that led to obesity often start in childhood. Growing up, John's mother's food was an important part of John and his older brother Jim's lives. John's mother was a Polish extraction. She was locally famous for her pierogies, especially cabbage rolls, and uh, she liked to put on a spread. And uh, both boys were well fed. Dr. Linda Papadopoulos, psychologist. He grows up in a family where eating well and, and you know and giving you more, and making sure I'm making you your favorite, are all signs of care and safety and, and warmth. The notion that food was a source of comfort continued into adulthood. When John was feeling anxious or, or depressed or down, he would turn to food. John's feelings of anxiety would build as the movie roles he took cast him in an increasingly unflattering light. John was cast as the big fella in the secondary roles mostly. They portrayed him as eating a lot and people calling him names. I'm gonna walk out of here a lean, mean fighting machine. <laughs> This sense of ridicule was apparent in the 1981 comedy classic Stripes. There was a scene there where he was to mud wrestle with three bikini-clad ladies. It's a very funny scene, but he said to me that was the most humiliating thing I've ever done. When the reviews came out. John's worst fears were confirmed. There's a lot of people in this movie. There's a lot of big names in this movie, and they single out his little part and call him an elephant. And it hurt, and it hurt him really badly. It was kind of sad to see that, you know. And I, I can't watch that movie anymore. I can't for that. It's too hard on them, you know. According to friends, bad reviews would prompt John to eat more than usual. A pattern he repeated time and again. In our culture, food isn't just the fuel that we live on; uh, it's the way that we show love. It's the way that we comfort ourselves and each other. So you see John binging on food. You see him sort of self-medicating with it in a way that's quite pathological. In the last few years of his life, John was in an increasing number of movies, but his unflattering reviews came in thick and fast. 
I think for, for someone that made as many movies as John did and had so many movies that didn't do well, each one took a little bit of his heart out. He, he took this very personally, man. To read those reviews and, and, and see those disappointing box offices, it, it did. It, it broke his heart a little bit. It appears there was a pattern of behavior in which John took comfort in overeating in response to professional setbacks. A 2017 study found that you are four times more likely to have a heart attack in the hours after a large meal. A spike in the insulin levels after a large meal can cause a sudden increase in blood pressure and heart rate, which can in turn trigger a heart attack. But it's likely it wasn't just the size of John's meals that made him obese. I want to investigate further to see if John's diet led him down a dangerous long-term path of self-destruction. Comedic actor John Candy died suddenly on a movie set in Mexico. Now, world-renowned forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter is studying John's autopsy report in his investigation of the beloved actor's death. John Candy died of a heart attack, but I want to understand what the factors were that led to that heart attack. John was obese throughout his adult life, and I've discovered that John was prone to binge eating in response to professional setbacks. But I'm concerned that his relationship with food more generally was unhealthy and potentially life-threatening. October 1993, Toronto. Five months before his death, John Candy is directing his first feature film, Hostage for a Day. Action! In his hometown of Toronto. It's a good time for John. Cool Runnings has been released to critical acclaim and is a box office hit. Rise and dine. Much like Rocky, he'd been knocked down to the mat. It's been four years since he's had a hit. The Cool Runnings was a, a great little chapter in John's life. But now, weighing over 300 pounds, John is as big as he's ever been. He has spent most of his 20-year career on movie sets, where he has had access to a limitless supply of the unhealthiest foods. Tacos and burritos and pizza and hot dogs. He was very, very prone to binge eating and eating awful foods. Okay. All right, now we're all rolling in. Nobody's eating the crawfish here. However, John's taste for junk food was apparent offset, too, as Martin Burke discovered four years before John's death. John was at his home in California, and I'm in the kitchen talking to him. And his staff starts showing up with all kinds of pizza and french fries and all sorts of fattening food. This was not a party, and I wasn't even going to stay for dinner. And I said, John, whoa, you're going on a real binge if you're going to eat all that stuff. And John sort of looked at me funny, and he said, yeah, I guess it's not that good for me, but, you know... John's diet of junk food will have led to him experiencing high cholesterol and high blood pressure, which can increase the risk of cardiovascular diseases such as coronary heart disease, stroke, and type 2 diabetes. According to friends and colleagues, despite his poor diet, John attempted to lose weight many times through his life. I do remember once watching him on a children's show with my children. And suddenly John came on screen and he had this little cape on. He was a superhero and he was thin. And he lost about 60, 70, 80 pounds. 
So I have this instructor that comes to the house once a day for two hours. So it's going to be a month of uh, hell. Month of exercise and yes. I imagine real diet. Yeah, it's it's pretty strict. I'll I'll drop fifty pounds in a month. Really? Uh, yeah. That's not good for you to go up and down like a yo-yo, you know. Yeah, I know. Recent medical studies indicate that yo-yo or crash dieting, though often effective in losing weight, can nonetheless damage the heart or exacerbate existing conditions. Over time, the process of crash dieting can increase the amount of visceral fat stored in the body. Visceral fat is body fat that is stored in the abdomen and around a number of vital organs. Its presence is associated with a number of health problems, including increased risk of heart attack. Therefore, I cannot rule this out as a possible factor in his death. December 1993, Los Angeles, California, three months before John's death. John is having a medical checkup prior to shooting his next movie, Wagons East. He's been offered $3 million to play the lead in the comedy western, filming in the city of Durango, Mexico. Despite him weighing over 300 pounds, he's given the go-ahead to travel. It appears that despite his weight, the doctors who oversaw John's physical for Wagons East decided he was healthy enough to go to Mexico and shoot the film. January 1994, two months before John's death. He arrives in Mexico to begin filming on Wagons East. Mitch Masoner worked alongside him. We were filming at a town about 45 minutes east of Durango called Chupaderas. It's a wild west town. It's cowboys and, and westerns and, and horses. But John is struggling with conditions on set. People are noticing he's not well. He's like, John, you're sweating, and John, you're not breathing very well, and it seems like you're clutching your chest. It was hot at times. It was very hot, so acclimating to that was difficult. John would wear a lot of wardrobe, a lot of brown leather, so he perspired. It was difficult when the heat came on hard. For a man of John's size, exposure to the heat over long periods would have been uncomfortable, especially in a heavy period costume. Heat will have caused increased stress to John's heart. On a hot day, the body has to circulate two to four times as much blood as is normal. Secondly, the body loses key muscle contracting minerals and sweat, and that again puts strain on the cardiovascular system. The negative effects of the heat will have been further compounded by the fact that John was filming at a high altitude. The city of Durango is 6,500 feet above sea level. This would explain why John was struggling for breath. The reason for a loss of breath at such heights is that the barometric pressure of the air decreases the higher you are above sea level. This results in less oxygen entering your lungs as you breathe. But exposure to high altitude is also associated with increases in systemic blood pressure and heart rate. Altitude would certainly have contributed to John's breathlessness, and it may have also had a more significant impact on his heart. So I cannot rule it out as a cause of death. And it seems that another long-term lifestyle choice may have exacerbated the problem. Smoking. When I first met John, he was already smoking, 15 or 16. And I think he was smoking about a pack a day when he was 17, 18. And John never did give up the smokes. There's barely an interview with John throughout the 70s and 80s. 
when he doesn't have a cigarette in his hand. John's lifelong habit will damage his pulmonary and circulatory system and made him particularly susceptible to atherosclerosis. Smoking makes the blood vessels more rigid and less elastic, which increases blood pressure as well as contributing to the buildup of plaque in the arteries. The tar in cigarettes also makes the blood more sticky, which means that should an artery sustain damage, the blood is more likely to clot and cause a blockage to the heart muscle. I think it's probable that John's addiction to smoking was a factor in his death. But John appears to have a history of use of another drug that is also known to have a damaging impact on the heart. And that's cocaine. John's cocaine use began in 1973 when he started working with the Second City Theater Group in Chicago. I really grew up when I went there in a lot of ways. I, uh, and I was learning my craft. A lot of temptations down there, too. Oh, sure there was. Sure there was. I exploited all of them. <laughs> it was fun. It was great. I had a great time. You're doing work six nights a week, and you got to be on. You can't have an off night. So one of the ways that you remedy that situation is cocaine. When the body is under the influence of cocaine, it has a profound effect on the cardiovascular system. It substantially increases the force of the heart muscle as it contracts and it raises the heart rate and the blood pressure. But at the same time that it is causing the heart to work so much harder, cocaine also causes constriction of the capillaries, reducing the blood flow to the heart muscle. In 1982, a tragedy hit John that changed his lifestyle. The preliminary investigation of comedian John Belushi's death reportedly points to an accidental overdose of cocaine. John was devastated by the death of John Belushi. He looked up to him. He was another one of the Second City big guys. John claimed Belushi's death spurred him on to kick his own cocaine habit. I think this is one of those moments where he kind of looks up and thinks, okay, there are consequences, and these are really close to home. These choices can ultimately kill me. And I think that's where he makes that really important decision to get clean. Evidence suggests that John stopped using cocaine in 1982. Although a history of taking cocaine can lead to the weakening of the cardiovascular system, I can rule it out as being a leading cause of John's death. And reports suggest a series of events that occurred during his time in Mexico may have had a shattering impact on John's health. The death of beloved actor John Candy at the age of 43 is being investigated by expert forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter. So far, I've discovered that John Candy was dangerously obese for most of his adult life, which would have placed his heart under enormous strain. He also smoked, and he had a history of cocaine use. From reports, there is also evidence that John could have been pushed to the limit by events that took place during the filming of Wagons East in Mexico. January 1994, the set of Wagons East, Chupaderos, Mexico. John Candy is playing a drunken wagon master, but all is not well. It was extremely noticeable to everybody on the set 
that there was a conflict going on because after they would cut, John would say, hey, you know, I would like to do it this way. And the director wanted him to do it that way. And John said, I need to make it funny and do it my way. I think John had almost instant regret about doing Wagon Seas. He didn't like the script. He didn't think it was going to be a good movie. So the stress of the conflict with the director started getting to John. Stress can expose the body to elevated levels of hormones like adrenaline and cortisol, which have been directly linked to increased levels of cholesterol in the blood. Excess cholesterol can build up in the artery walls, narrowing the arteries and restricting the flow of blood to the heart. But on top of this, I've learned that he was also subjected to a traumatic personal event that could have had a potentially fatal impact on his heart. January 17th, 1994, Durango, Mexico, seven weeks before John Candy's death. John has been away from his family for two weeks when he wakes to shocking news. It was 6.6 on the Richter scale. Five major highways have been cut. Water supply is threatened. There's been a huge earthquake in L.A. The damage was massive. About a mile radius from where I live, most of the buildings were destroyed. Bricks came tumbling down all over the place. John tries to contact his family, who are at home in Mandeville Canyon, Los Angeles. The phones work for about 10 minutes after the quake, and suddenly they cut off. John is unable to reach his wife and children. Los Angeles, as we have heard, was knocked out when the earthquake first hit. And in the area that Edison... John and I in the trailer sat together and were frustrated and, and worried. Many customers went completely blacked out. It was extremely scary for us. It, it was torture. Rapid heart rate, or tachycardia, brought on by anxiety, can interfere with normal heart function and increases the risk of sudden cardiac arrest. It also raises blood pressure, which can lead to weakening of the heart muscle. 48 hours after the quake, John finally gets hold of his family and discovers they are safe and well. It seems that John was subject to extreme stress and anxiety during the last few months of his life so I cannot rule them out as a contributing factor in John's heart attack. However, I can also see that the rigors of filming were physically as well as mentally grueling, and that this also appears to have had a significant impact on John's health. Four weeks into filming, John is still struggling with the demands of a tough shoot in an extreme environment. Wagons East was a, a very, very demanding show. Our locations were very grueling to get to, usually 45 minutes off-road on washboard dirt roads, and then we would do 14 or 16-hour days. This particular movie had him falling through a table over and over and over again. He's physically absolutely exhausted. He's sweating, he's tired, he's worn out. He struggled with the weight he was carrying. He would never show it in front of the crew, but when we went in the trailer, you know, he, he would... I could tell he was in pain. John's role in Wagons East also required a lot of horse riding. If you watch the picture, he was up there quite a bit. 
We had to put a four-step ladder for him every time to get up and down off this horse because the horse was so big to carry a man of John's size. Getting up and down on that horse was a big deal, and that was a, a huge part of his pain. He had a stunt double, but you know they had to get John's face on, on a camera, and he had to deliver his lines. A recent study showed a link between extreme physical exertion and an increased risk of heart attack. People who had overexerted themselves doubled their risk of suffering a coronary event. The rise in blood pressure and heart rate changes the flow of blood through the blood vessels and reduces blood supply to the heart. With John's heart and arteries already likely compromised by years of unhealthy eating, this was a real concern. January 1994, Chupaderos, Mexico, two months before his death. The producers of Wagons East are so worried about John's health, they fly him back to L.A. to see his doctors. John gets the all-clear to carry on filming in Mexico, but tests reveal a problem with his hip. So John, as, as a man just in his early 40s, has been told that he's going to have to have hip surgery, and the doctor realizes this is a very serious problem. At this point in his life, John is larger than he has ever been. He's approaching 350 pounds with a 59-inch waist. The risk of having surgery when obese is extremely high. New studies show that morbidly obese patients like John are nearly twice as likely to die from complications following surgery as non-obese patients. And they are five times more likely to suffer post-operative heart attacks. John's doctors would have made it clear that he had no option but to lose weight. And Dr. Hunter has discovered evidence of another vice that for John Candy may ultimately have proved fatal. John Candy died today. He had a heart attack while working on location in Mexico. He was just 43 years old. Expert forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter is scrutinizing the medical records of actor John Candy to try to understand what caused his fatal heart attack. John Candy had a history of binge eating and extreme dieting, but remained severely obese throughout most of his adult life. And in the months immediately prior to his death, he was in physical and emotional distress in an extreme environment shooting his final film. What's more, the demands of the shoot appear to have aggravated and underlying joint pain. This led doctors to advise John that he must lose weight in order to be fit for hip surgery. Now I need to understand what action, if any, John took in response to his doctor's warning. February 3rd, 1994, one month before John's death. John Candy is at home with his family in Los Angeles, celebrating his daughter's 14th birthday. After the trauma of the L.A. earthquake, John has made a resolution. John told me, Mitch, this will be the last picture I will ever do unless it's my picture and I'm in charge on my home turf. Can't wait till this picture's over. But first, he must finish Wagons East. February 1994, Chupaderos, Mexico, one month before John's death. On return to Mexico, John does not appear to be following his doctor's advice to lose weight in order to be healthy enough for hip surgery. John had a trainer that he brought down there with a truck full of gym equipment and, and 
microwaves and steamers and all kinds of stuff to be healthy. But then, you know, the trainer would get sent home after eight or ten hours, and then uh, we had another vehicle with some stuff that wasn't that good. Candies, soda, cigarettes. It's clear that John's efforts to follow a healthier diet and lose weight his doctors demanded of him were limited. However, there are reports that there was another aspect of John's life that can also have a devastating effect on the heart. Drinking alcohol. As far as drinking goes, John, he liked to go to parties and he was known to indulge. He certainly was capable of a big night out and he could drink a lot and often did. Later on, I'd heard stories about John really drinking a lot. But he's a big fellow, so he could take a lot of drink without really showing much effect of that. March 1st, 1994, three days before John's death. Filming is nearly complete on Wagons East, and John appears in good spirits. We had a big crew on Wagons East, and before John passed away, there was a party in Durango, and we all, the crew, ended up showing up there, and John was there with us all. And I remember John belly bouncing somebody, and everybody cracked up, and, and I mean, it was, it was hilarious to watch. Given that at this time, John was under doctor's orders to lose weight, even a modest amount of social drinking would have been counterproductive to those efforts. Alcohol is extremely high in sugar, so consumption can be just as significant a factor in weight gain as food consumption. Heavy drinking also raises blood pressure, so this would have been putting John's heart under considerable strain. And it seems that a particular event just days before he died may have pushed John to take his drinking to another much more dangerous level. Three years earlier, John became a minority owner of his favorite football team, the Toronto Argonauts. In 1991, the Argos won the Grey Cup for only the second time in 40 years. When John became co-owner of the Toronto Argonauts, I believe it was one of the happiest times in his life because he loved football so much. Owning them was the ultimate prize for him. But throughout his time in Mexico, John has been kept out of the loop as the finances of majority owner Bruce McNall have begun to unravel. Bruce McNall was a sports empresario and is a charming rogue. He could do things with money that would make sports teams great and it turned out he didn't have the money after all. Without the financial backing, the decision was made to sell the team. John found out about the Argos being sold out from under him, really, without his knowledge or consent, and it just devastated John. John's reaction to the news was to drink. According to some reports, he went on a two-day tequila binge. Binge drinking can cause paroxysmal atrial fibrillation and irregular heartbeat. The symptoms are shortness of breath, tiredness, and palpitations. It's sometimes called holiday heart syndrome because of its link to alcohol. Without a toxicology report, it's impossible to know what levels of alcohol were in John's system on the night that he died. But even if he hadn't been drinking, the damage to his heart over his lifetime may have already been done. March 3rd, 1994, the night before John's death. 
So John's had an exhausting day on the set of Wagon's East, and people are telling him, you look tired and you're exhausted. And he has this little chat with one of the guys that works there. And he's just, I just want to go back to my family. I just want to go home. And as is his want, <laughs> even when John's stressed and depressed and anxious, he still decides to cook this big Italian meal for everyone around him. During dinner, John complains that he's having some pains in his chest. Symptoms of heart attack are surprisingly similar to severe heartburn. Pains in the abdomen and chest due to reduced blood flow to your heart can be confused with indigestion. After dinner, John makes a call to his family. He calls his children and... His daughter said, I, you know, I was a little short with him, which is something she's always regretted. And, and his son says, I love you and good night. This is a man that loved his family above everything, and he wanted to get back home to them. Oh. March 4th, the morning of John's death. The crew are starting to get ready for the day's shoot, but John and his assistant, Frankie, are missing. Every morning uh, before work, Frankie Silvio and I would meet at the restaurant at the hotel and have breakfast and then go on our ways. But that morning, when I went down to breakfast, Frankie wasn't there. And I was concerned. I thought, wow, this is really strange that Frankie's not here. John? Frankie is concerned for John's whereabouts. Upon entering John's apartment, Frankie finds John unconscious on his bed. He is not breathing. Frankie calls an ambulance. Paramedics arrive on the scene. But there's nothing they can do. Good evening. John Candy died today while shooting a movie in Mexico. The comedian leaves behind a wife and two children. The camera was on the dolly. We were waiting for John on the set. And one of the drivers came to me, and when he told me, John is dead. And I was shocked. My son shook me awake. He said, Dad, John Candy's dead. Oh, you can, it's got to be a joke. So I turned on the news, and yeah, he passed away. And I was very disturbed when, when John died, and, and I couldn't watch him. Ten years, I could not watch him on television or, or on the movies. I couldn't. John Candy's death certificate states that he died of a heart attack. But what's particularly intriguing about John Candy's case is that I don't believe he was just a victim of his circumstances. I think he knew a heart attack could be imminent. In fact, I've discovered a piece of information that made John Candy's death practically inevitable. Expert forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter is investigating the reason why John Candy, the much-loved star of Uncle Buck and Cool Runnings, died of a heart attack at the premature age of 43. So far, he's identified diet, stress, and drugs as contributing factors. 
But could the real reason for John's death have been something beyond his control? There is a piece of evidence I've discovered that reveals John Candy's cause of death was almost predetermined. He had an incredibly strong genetic link to heart attack. John's father died at age 35 of heart attack. His uncle had a heart attack age 42. His brother had a serious but non-fatal heart attack around his 40s. Early heart attack was in the genes for the men of his family. It seems that John always knew he was a ticking time bomb. John, say, all the men in my family, come to think of it, they all have major heart attacks around the age of 40. He said, my father had a big heart attack, my uncle died at the age of 42, somebody else died at the age of 41, and on and on. Nowadays, John would likely have been prescribed statins and beta blockers to try to prevent early heart attack. But as far as I'm aware, he didn't take anything to help himself. It's not known what specific condition caused John's family's early heart attacks. However, it could be related to a condition called familial hypercholesterolemia, where the body collects lots of bad cholesterol even when following a good diet. It can mean people can die from a heart attack without knowing that anything was wrong. But in John's case, even if this genetic disorder was not present, I believe his heart was already so compromised that it could have failed at any time. His habit of heavy smoking, eating, and drinking would have likely led him developing atherosclerosis, hypertension, or high blood pressure, and possibly coronary artery disease. Added to that, around the time of his death, he was experiencing a great deal of stress and working in a challenging environment. So if John knew he was unhealthy and that there was a history of heart attacks in his family, why didn't he look after himself? John was super sensitive about his weight. And nobody that I know of ever broached the subject with him, including me, of course, because it would hurt him too, too deeply. John was not good at confrontation. As mortality was becoming the issue, I just think there was a denial factor about how obese he had become. I kind of think that maybe deep down he said, you know what, my, my whole career rests in the fact that I'm huge. So maybe he just gave up and kept eating. If he's thinking, well, the only key to my success is because I'm big, I'm going to get back at it and be the jolly fat guy again. Don't you think everyone loves a fat man? Uh, I guess. Uh, Why? I, 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 I don't know. I guess they're, they're harmless. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, Inside John Candy, is there really a lean, mean fighting machine just dying together? Doesn't it look like <laughs> it? doesn't look like it, no. Um, no, there isn't. No, I'm, I'm quite happy the way I am. I think in, in John Candy's case, his weight was so bound up with his identity, with his sense of humor. You know, this is who I am. I'm, I'm John Candy, the big guy. I don't think he saw the smaller guy in there, the healthier guy in there. I think that's the sad thing. You know, he kind of, in some ways, lived up to the caricature that, you know, that persona had created. Since John Candy was unable or unwilling to lose weight or change his lifestyle, it's likely that the chance of some kind of cardiac event occurring became inevitable. 
As John's heart grew increasingly compromised, his coronary arteries likely became clogged with fatty atheroma, building up enough to cause a blockage, preventing blood and oxygen from flowing. When this takes place, the heart muscle is deprived of oxygen, causing the tissues to die and the cardiac cycle to cease. This is called a myocardial infarction or a heart attack. At this stage, it is still possible for death to be avoided, but tragically for John, there was no one on hand to attempt resuscitation. As the blood flow to his brain was reduced, he would have lost consciousness and ultimately died. John, if he had given himself a little more time, I always thought he would have had a chance of finding what was ever going to fill the vacuum that was then being filled by all the alcohol and the food and everything else. And there's one thing that kept John going was that if I can make people laugh, it makes me feel better, it makes everyone feel better, and it was a recurrent theme in his life. I think John would like to be remembered for having a great family, which he does have, for once owning the Toronto Argonauts, which he loved, and for becoming this massive star, which he never quite believed himself. But he was also this lovely, kind, gentle giant of a man. And I think he would have liked that for his legacy. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autopsy. Don't forget to subscribe at podcastone.com with the Podcast One app or at Apple Podcasts. Then go to reels.com, that's R-E-E-L-Z.com, for clips, extras, and more from the TV version of the series, including reenactments and autopsy photos you'll only see on Reels' channel. Find Reels on your TV at reels.com. I'm Dr. Michael Hunter.